Today's reading is Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Before we start, just apologise, I'm going to cough a bit. But please, would you pray with me? Father God, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for how you love us. Please, would you show us more of you as we explore your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you see when you look at me? A middle-aged woman, a wife, a mother, grandmother, just Emma, a preacher, an artist. How about a survivor? You see, I don't come to the topic of safeguarding as an expert on Safeguarding Sunday. Instead, I come to it as a survivor, I'm only going to share a little bit of my experience to put what I say into context and not to garner sympathy. You see, I have had the experience of being in an unsafe environment. I was bullied as a child at boarding school. Then I was in a frightening, threatening emotionally abusive and coercive and controlling relationship before I met my husband, Ross. And unfortunately, I've also experienced bullying, spiritual and emotional abuse in a previous church. I don't believe that that would have happened here because we have such a rigorous safeguarding policy. It took me a long time to get over my experiences, to heal. 
And the consequences of this have echoed throughout my life. For a long time, it was a weeping wound and not a scar that I could easily talk about. And yet, even whilst I was going through some of the stuff I've been through, for me, the safest place has been in the arms of God. In fact, if you were to ask me how I describe God, I would say, he is my safe place. For no matter what happened, God was the one I would turn to, who would gather me in his arms, make me feel loved, hopeful, and safe. As we sang this morning, his name is power, his name is healing. And I'm not alone in finding safety in the arms of God. For in Psalm 91, the writer speaks of something similar. According to the Life Application Bible, the theme of Psalm 91 is God's protection in the midst of danger. But he does promise help whenever we face danger as well. He doesn't give us a promise of a world free from it though. And it is written as both a statement of faith by the author and an invitation to faith by we who read it. And it uses some wonderful imagery and words to express and describe and reveal who God is. In the Bible Speaks Today commentary, it says that the psalm could have been written during or around the time of the Exodus when the Israelites were effectively homeless and vulnerable and faced many dangers, which makes the description of God in the psalm affecting and powerful, particularly when it describes the Lord as their place of rest. This sense of security is the main thrust of the psalm. And it's clearly stated in the first verse, and then it runs throughout the psalm. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What a wonderful and evocative picture of God. This psalm was written in an arid land with a harsh, hot climate. It reminds me a bit of the story of Jonah and the vine that God causes to grow up over him, to protect him and shade him as he rested. In the heat of the day, shade is vital. Similarly in life, the idea that the shadow of the Most High, Almighty God, will cover us and protect us is amazing. What a promise. And did you notice that right there in this first verse, we have two wonderful names for God, the Most High, a name that evokes the idea that God is greater than anything we may have faced or may have to face. And then there is the other name, Almighty. If you break it down into its two component words and hear it clearly, he is all mighty, stronger than anything and everything. We have a really powerful, protective God. And in fact, this imagery flows throughout the whole psalm. 
God is like a castle that protects its inhabitants from attack. He's called a fortress, a rampart, which is a defensive wall. Truly, he is our safe place, refuge. He is strong and mighty. But he is also incredibly tender and loving towards us. In verse 4, it says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. The tender, protective love of a bird for its chicks is brought to mind with this picture. That parent bird will tuck the chicks into its downy feathers under its wings for warmth, safety, protection. That is the kind of parental love, care and protection that God has for us. There is so much of this sort of language throughout Psalm 91. It builds a picture of who God is. So I want us to take a moment to reflect on some of these words that are used to describe God. The imagery really does show us something about him. And I want to ask you, is there one particular one that speaks to you at this moment? As I list them, listen carefully and ask God to speak to you about who he is to you right now. Shelter. Most high. Shadow. Almighty, refuge, fortress, my God, trustworthy, saviour, protector, shield, faithful, rampart, Defender, punishes the wicked, dwelling, Lord, guardian, commands the angels, rescuer, answers when we call, is with us in trouble, deliverer, satisfies our needs. Now that is an amazing list of attributes. What an amazing and wonderful God we have. And throughout the psalm, there are not only are the names of God and the attributes of God listed, but there are various perils that are listed. And we could take them literally as physical dangers, but we can also see them as moral, emotional and spiritual threats, which God protects us from. As throughout the psalm, we are shown how God is with those who love him, God says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honour him. And Jesus says something similar. In me, you may, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The God who is a fortress, a mother hen, a shelter, our refuge has overcome the world. But for many, that may raise a question. The elephant in the room when we talk about safeguarding. 
So as I draw to a close, there are two things I need to say. First of all, I need to address the question of why I and others have got hurt in the way we have been. There is a very glib answer that Christians give to why bad things happen to good people. And that is, oh, we live in a fallen world. It's true, we do. We live in a world where humans can and do choose to sin. Sin being any action, thought or belief that harms ourselves, our relationship with God and or hurts others. But it is not enough to answer that question with the answer, we live in a fallen world. That is an explanation of what happened. But if we leave it at that for survivors of abuse, it can feel like a cop-out, like we're letting the perpetrators get away with it. It's an explanation. It is not an excuse. I do not think there is any excuse. And we need to remember that when others, when people get hurt by others, even in an argument or, a simp- or simply using unkind language, there is a split second when they make the decision to do so. This is why Jesus said, if anyone causes these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and not to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that can cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. But I am not a vengeful person and I don't believe in a vengeful God. I believe in a loving, just and forgiving God who empowers us to forgive. He is the most high God who shelters, protects, saves and rescues. And I am so grateful that he is the God of second chances and the invitation is there to everyone to repent and be baptised every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what God wants for all of us. He offers it to those who acknowledge his name. In other words, God wants to draw each one of us close and he gives everyone the opportunity to do that through the birth, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, who came to save us all. And the second thing is this. As a church, for whom the privilege of sharing that message is ours, of the loving, saving God to the world, we have a great opportunity to do that. But for us, God is always and has always been our safe place our refuge and our fortress, our God in whom we trust. For the church then, we have a responsibility to make sure that we make the church an expression of that on earth. Our churches must be safe places where we can worship God and live and serve in our community. May you always dwell in the shelter of the Most High and live in the shadow of the Almighty.
Amen. Can you go on to the next slide, please? Okay, so I'm going to try and remember what I put on that slide, <laughs> um, which is about how we keep people safe at the church on the heath. So the first thing that um, we have is a safeguarding officer, which is me. Um, so I'm responsible in my role to make sure that all the things I'm going to tell you about actually do happen. And I have really good links with the uh, Guildford Diocesan Safeguarding Team. So they have advisors, trainers and caseworkers. And if we, um, Patrick or I, need any advice about a safeguarding situation, they're really responsive and quick to give us that advice. And if it's a really uh, serious situation, their caseworker will step in, do what needs to be done and keep us fully informed as we go through. Workers and our volunteers are a number of things that we do to make sure that we keep people safe here. For those who work with children and vulnerable adults, we take up references. So we've always obviously done that for our staff and we're just starting to do that for volunteers. So any new volunteers working with children or vulnerable adults from now on will be taking up references. Um, we do criminal records checks. And I'm trying to remember what the third thing is. I can picture the slide, but the words have gone a bit hazy. Training, that's it. We ask people to do training. And that training is provided by the diocese. It's online mostly, and people are asked to retake that every three years. And the criminal records checks we repeat every three years as well. Then we have a number of policies. So these are the things that kind of um, declare our position, our approach to safeguarding, and they also hold us to account. So we have a safeguarding policy and a domestic abuse statement which are on display at the back of church. And we also have a recruitment policy which covers those things I've been talking about which anyone can see if they would like to. And then we come to um, who's responsible for what really. So um, we've talked quite a bit about the fact that all of us have some responsibility. So there's me, I've outlined the things that I have responsibility for. Patrick has some responsibilities. The ECC and its members have overall responsibility for making sure that we adhere to these things. And we have safeguarding on the agenda every time that we have a meeting. And then for you, for all of us, it's about keeping each other safe. It's about talking to someone if you feel unsafe about something, or if you see or hear something or someone tells you something that makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you think that perhaps that person isn't safe. And what we want you to do in that situation is to talk to someone you trust, talk to me, talk to Patrick, um, and then we can take the appropriate action to help in that situation. So hopefully that um, puts into perspective a bit what we actually do and what we can do going forward. There are always more, there's always more that we can do. Um, there's always new initiatives that the diocese are taking and want us to put into practice. So we do our best to uh, keep up to date and do what we can to make this a safe place and always a safer place if we can.